The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to Career Day on the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to learn about the skills accumulated and the lessons learned from a great marketer throughout the various stops on his career. Joining us for Career Day is an SEO specialist turned media mogul. John Shahada is the Vice President of Audience Development at Condé Nast, which is a premier media company that attracts more than 100 million consumers across its industry-leading print, digital, and video brands, including Vogue, Vanity Fair, Glamour GQ, Architectural Digest, The New Yorker, and a whole bunch of other titles. Prior to his role at Condé Nast, John held a variety of SEO and consulting roles, and most recently, he was the executive director of search and social at ABC News. John's had an amazing career, and we're excited to talk to him about going from being an SEO specialist to an executive at a media company. Here's our interview with VP of Audience Growth at Condé Nast, John Shahada. John, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hi, Ben. Glad to be here with you guys. It's great to connect with you. And first off, I have to say congratulations. You won an award last week, highlighting you as one of the biggest search experts in the world. Tell us a little bit about the award you just won. It's not an award. This is a recent article by Search Engine Journal listing the top 140 SEO experts to follow in 2019 by Danny Goodwin. So I'm very honored and humbled to be among this extensive list of great experts out there. They didn't give you a trophy, but I'd say that people are pointing to you as one of the experts in the search industry. And I'm excited to hear a little bit about your career growth and how you got to this point. Let's start off at the beginning. How did you get into marketing? Believe it or not, I started as a pharmacist. I finished my fourth year of pharmacy and then I woke up one day and I said, I hate studying this. I hate chemistry. I hate all that stuff. All due respect to pharmacists, but it wasn't the right fit for me. So I stepped away from college for one year trying to figure out what I need to do. Everyone said, this is stupid. You have one or two years to finish. Why would you do this right now? So after one year of soul searching, I came back and I said, I enjoy problem solving. I enjoy working on computers and so on. A good fit for me was studying computer science. So I went back to college, got my bachelor degree in computer science, 
learned few engineering languages back then, started my first job as an intern in one of the startup developing doctor eyeglasses, e-commerce shops kind of a thing. It was very exciting. I learned so much there. And then during college, I created a software that sells phone cards online. So I created the software. It was one of the very first softwares to sell such product. Everything was physical back then, physical goods. This one was more like a password kind of product. And then I made money from that product. I had to market it. I didn't know much about how to market it online. So I was able to learn a few aspects of SEO. And then I was able to pay for college from that software. And this is how I got introduced to the whole SEO aspects of marketing. So it's interesting to me that you had a background studying science and essentially you used some of that knowledge as you were transitioning, you know, you were working as a pharmacist, started to learn to code, built a product, and then really the outcome of that journey was needing to market the physical product. What were some of the things you learned selling a physical product that have helped you today? Tell me a little more about that experience. Yeah, it was a licensed software product to enable wholesalers to sell their phone cards to consumers directly online instead of going to the store and buy it. So I can't remember what was it then. I think it's Alta Vista. And then Google was started to coming up. It was about all like keyword stuffing and stuff. So just understanding how you appear in search, what do you need to do, how to rank, how to write, it was all new skills for me. While I was able to write code relatively well back then, the marketing aspects were completely new for me. So as a startup, you start thinking about how you market this, how you find the right audience. It was B2B kind of a thing. So I learned a lot. And then later on, I was able to take the engineering skills that I had and apply them for that specific niche SEO. So was able to build few tools here and there and so on. And this is how I got my first true job as an SEO back then in the agency world. It's interesting to me that you started off with a technical background. And the first time you were faced with a marketing channel, your brain directly went to driving organic growth as opposed to, I think a lot of people when they think of, okay, I need to market, where do I place my advertisements? You mentioned that you basically paid for the rest of your college by putting together this phone card business and eventually worked your way into an agency. Did you go back and finish your computer science degree or did you end up taking marketing classes? Oh, no, no. I finished my computer science degree, uh, got my bachelor's, and I worked a couple of years development and engineering. And then while I was working during my college and after college on this phone card business, then I got introduced to the whole amazing world of SEO. I did some paid campaigns here and there, but the problem-solving aspects of search engine optimization were fascinating to me. The core thing of computer science, you are trying to solve a problem, right? And then in a way, SEO, it's almost the same core. You have a problem, you need to solve it, you need to market it. So that part of SEO was very appealing to me. And being able to read code and understand code was very helpful to me. So that was the very first steps for me on the technical SEO side. 
So it seems like your technical background helps you understand some of the technical challenges with SEO. You mentioned you started off in an agency role. Tell me a little bit more about the earlier stages in your career. Once you were a marketer, what were some of the roles and responsibilities that you held? Back then, I was just an SEO specialist. So learning the trades of the craft, SEO title, SEO description, copy, content, and so on. My forte back then was the technical aspects of things. So I brought that to the table and I learned a lot of other aspects on the content and so on. I think I had a gift of explaining SEO in layman's terms for our client customer support or success centers. And slowly they started bringing on calls with their clients to explain things, why we're doing different SEO campaigns and so on. And slowly that graduated into actually going with the sales team to pitch SEO campaigns to clients. SEO was not an easy sell. Everyone early on was focused on PPC, right? Instant gratification. You put money into it and you see the results immediately. You see the traffic immediately. SEO was a hard sell back then, whereas you're going to invest time, money, you put all this effort, and it's going to take three to six months back then to see results. So I learned a lot from the sales team and the customer support and how to pitch SEO back then. So in your agency experience, you're getting to work with multiple different clients, and you're really a technical expert, but because you had an ability to simplify and communicate some of the complexities of SEO, you were able to explain some of those complexities to the client. So you actually got some client-facing experience, even though your roles were on the technical side. Yes. I think one of the skills every SEO needs, besides being a great marketer, having a technical background, not necessarily to write code, but to understand code and how does it function. And the other skill is how to sell themselves, how to sell their product, how to explain and simplify the work we do. I think we're now at a different era where most of the clients know SEO, need SEO. So it's way easier. I think the complexity is more about explaining why Google does what it does, how the campaign going to help the client and so on. But I think now it's way easier than it used to like be 12 years ago or so. Yeah, I think people have a general understanding that there is a valuable marketing channel that you can drive through content and that organic growth, SEO, is something that can be a pillar of your marketing strategy. And you mentioned something earlier in terms of the time frame it takes to develop an SEO strategy. And we've talked a little bit about this on the show before, but to me, when you're thinking about putting a marketing strategy together, there's a difference between, I'll use a food metaphor, eating sugar, right? Something that's going to give you an instant boost of energy and then eating your vegetables, something that's going to help you grow over time. I think very much of SEO as eating your vegetables, building a foundation that gets bigger and stronger the more that you do it, as opposed to performance marketing. You know, PPC is something that you have to constantly do to maintain that energy level. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about your thoughts on when you're putting together an SEO strategy. It's changed over time, but how long should marketers expect to dedicate? How long does it take for these types of channels to mature? Right now, I can tell you it's different from one niche to the next one. 
a couple of years ago, I think search metrics came with the notion that there is no such a thing as unified SEO rankings, that every niche has their own characteristics. One might be heavy on links, one might be heavy in content and so on. So I think the niche determines the strategy and how long we're going to take to actually see results. For example, news is a completely different beast from other sites. If you work in technology and you handle like gadgets and reviews, it's a different strategy. So I wouldn't say there is a one time frame that fits all kinds of strategy. I think it's different from one niche to the next one. But putting the strategy down and seeing the results, it depends on how far the site is and the curve. Is it like it's a complete disaster and it was like you're going to be a hero with few low-hanging fruit tactics that within a couple of months you can see results or they're very mature sites and have good marketing strategy and then you have to take them to the next level. How competitive is the landscape and so on? I don't feel there is one answer that can fit all kinds of strategy. I'm going to disagree with you. I agree with you in the sense that there is no specific time frame and in each industry is going to be different. My thought is that when you're building a content strategy and you're starting from square one, you're looking at a three to six month time frame to see meaningful results, right? It is not something that you're going to invest. You're going to write your first blog post and all of a sudden you're going to see consistent growth. You're going to start out with ones and twos initially. And as you consistently develop content over time, you start building a reputation, you start building your ranking credibility. And over time, those articles continue to stay valuable. So you're stacking ones and twos on top of each other to get to hundreds and hundreds of thousands and millions of impressions over time. To me, the expectation when you're building a growth strategy, it's multiple quarters. It is not a couple of weeks like getting a PPC channel up and running. No, I totally agree with that. I think what I said is if you have a mature site and you want to really move the needle, sometimes it may take more than that, right? Sure. But for a new site and a new content strategy, yes, it will take time. But there are exceptions. Like, for example, that's what I said, the news part. Like, I built sites in different languages, very focused on news that within a month, they reach 500,000 visits. So it's different. There are some things on news you can impact very quickly and you see rankings and traffic very quickly once you are approved and once you are trusted and you have the right signals versus like an evergreen site or a local site, stuff like this that can take a little bit longer. Absolutely. Let's go back and talk a little bit more about your career. You were in an agency setting. You're working multiple different clients. You're specifically focused on SEO. And at some point you made the transition from A, being in an agency to going in-house and B, from being SEO-specific to more broader audience growth. Tell me about that middle of your career stage as you were making the transition from an agency to in-house and as you were bringing on more responsibilities. So I get a lot of people asking, what's your recommendation? Should I work in in-house or should I work in an agency? And some people have very negative ideas about an agency and it's like they think in-house is way easier. I personally think that an agency is a boot camp that prepares you to for the in-house work. In an agency, you get exposed to so many clients, so many projects, so many strategies, so many tactics. 
it's very demanding. We used to work till 11 p.m., fly around as I was helping with the sales team and so on. So you learn so much in such a short period of time. So most of SEOs should start in an agency setting before they get into the in-house. You are exposed to a greater teams. You have so much learning from others within the agency and so on. The in-house for me was where I wanted to land. When you work in an agency, there are constraints and limitations on what you can do for the client. You're a little bit disconnected from the client, from their technology, from their strategies. Even though if you ask the right questions, you're not part of the team kind of a thing. There are different ways to remedy that. Also, the other thing is you are limited by the resources allocated to that client, their package, and so on. So I felt being in-house, I can really fulfill that goal of doing the best for the client, being a part of that company. So that was the natural progression for me. I understand what you're talking about for an SEO specifically, getting multiple reps and seeing multiple brands helps you learn about how different brands function so you can learn more in a shorter period of time. I think that some of the things that are valuable for marketers is A, work in sales, B, work in an agency. The more that you can get multiple reps and see different brands' problems, the better you'll be as an in-house marketer. What were the roles that you had as you were moving from agencies to becoming in-house? So the agency, I think I spent about one to two years over there. Mm -hmm. And then since then, for the past 14 years, I have been in-house. So what was your first in-house role? I saw this job posting about advanced publications, which is the parent company for Condé Nast. Mm -hmm. Back then, I didn't know much about the publication industry, but it was a great job. It was all about content. It had 20 brands, 35 newspapers, multiple classified. So they had like real estate, they had auto, they had local directories. So I felt like it's an agency, but in-house settings. And I felt like this is a great fit for me. So I went there, I applied. Actually, I remember the job interview. I went with a presentation. So the interview was not more like asking me questions. It was more about me presenting what I see the future of this job and what can I do for the company. And I was like, I think it was like 45 minutes presentation. I got asked two questions. And then the hiring manager said, can you present this to the president of the company? You're hired and we're executing the strategy that you brought to the interview. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bold move, to be honest with you, because I didn't know much about the company, but it was very obvious what's need to be done there. So I went back again, presented this to the president, and I think I got hired on the spot. Mm -hmm. So it was a big company, as I mentioned, right? 20 sites, 35 newspapers, four classified verticals in each of the markets. So this is, wasn't like New Jersey, Alabama, Cleveland, Staten Island. So we had, I think, 11 or 12 different regions that we worked in. And it was a one-man show. I was hired there. I started the SEO, per se. And this was back then when there was a war between blogs and newspapers. So it was very interesting times. News SEO was not even a thing back then. So I learned a lot and I built a team from one man show myself. I think when I left, we were like five SEOs and two social media. 
plus social media on each of the brands and so on. And I believe I moved the company on Comscore from position number 32 in US to number 12. That's a pretty big jump. Talk to me a little bit about taking on the responsibility of social. It seems to me like you were a natural fit for an in-house role. You were working at an agency, so you were comfortable working with multiple brands. You got to this role where it's essentially almost agency-like, where you own all of these different properties, but you're now an in-house marketer and have more control. The interesting thing to me is you then layered on what I think most people would say is a dramatically different medium of marketing. Social media is about, at least on the organic side, about virality, about building content that's going to be shared across multiple different interest groups. And SEO is about keyword optimization, a little bit more data science. Why did you take on the social media responsibility and how do those two fit together? Back then, social just started. Facebook, Twitter and old stuff, it was very shiny. A lot of people got interested in into it. And the whole notion of bringing the content to the audience wherever they are, it was a completely new notion especially working on the publisher side of things, they like to own the content. They like to own where is it, the site was the main destination and everything. So it was a shift in thinking about let's meet the audience where they are and instead of just making sure the audience come back to the site. So I found that very interesting. Two is Facebook and Twitter and all the other social platform are also based on algorithm, going back to the problem-solving aspect, right? Understanding the algorithm, understanding how does it function, the formula kind of a thing. So it was a natural fit to understand algorithm of these platforms and how can you optimize for it. So it's still kind of optimization thing. Number three, I believe in my career or in any marketing career, either you go very broad or you go very niche. So either you be very focused on one specific thing, local SEO, local businesses, and this is what you do and you become the best at it, or you expand into doing more broader things. So you have a wider holistic view of the different aspects, and then you can maybe manage different teams under that umbrella. For me, I thought that I'm going to go broad instead of going niche. So it made a natural fit to focus on other marketing aspects and how SEO and social can work together. So one plus one equals three kind of thing. That's the interesting thing to me about your career. And honestly, this is the challenge that I feel like most SEOs face is you started off in a very niche environment. You were doing content and site optimization to drive organic growth. And the technical expertise that you need to do that doesn't necessarily apply to being a broad marketer. Early in your career, you didn't necessarily have exposure to all of these different marketing channels. You weren't a general manager or a startup founder or an early stage startup. You were very siloed. And then later in your career, you've moved into understanding different marketing channels. Obviously, with your role today, you need to understand a variety of different channels. And what sticks out to me is you took on social media responsibility at a time when social media was primarily about organic growth. So I can see the correlation to SEO, understanding the algorithm to, hey, Facebook and Twitter and let's say throw LinkedIn at the time were also focused on organic growth. 
there's been a shift in those channels now where it's really a pay to play channel and organic in the social media environment has really sort of died off. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me a little bit about the next role you were working for, Advanced Publications. Eventually, you moved over to ABC and you're kind of more in the news sphere. What was that role like and how was it different than what you were doing at Advanced? Since I worked on the hyper-local news, I wanted to move to more like a national stage. So when ABC News approached me, I felt like that's a good step forward in my career. The hyper-news are very challenging, but it has its own limitations because your audience, the pie is that size. Then when I moved to ABC News, it had similar setting, but it was only one site, but it has many programs, Good Morning America, 2020, What Would You Do?, all these different TV programs. And it was not just the digital. The digital was a supporting hand with the TV arm. They were driving each other kind of a thing. So I thought it's a great fit. At the same time, also, it was the same challenge, like a big enterprise company that has no SEO whatsoever. So once again, it was me building the team there. So I went there, one man shop kind of a thing, started slowly. I think by the time I left, we were like four or five compared to like having four or five for 20 brands, having four or five for just one entity. So that was a good number. After one year at ABC News, I think we did very good. The numbers were amazing. We had amazing growth. They asked me to work on ABC Entertainment. So this is all the TV shows on ABC from like Shark Tank, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, all the TV series and so on. So uh, start working with the headquarters in California and it went very well. And then after that, they asked me to work on Oscars. That was fun, working with the Academy. 
So ABC News, I think, has like a 10-year deal with the Academy to host the Oscars. So I build the Oscar sites. I'm not saying I'm the reason for it, but I'm one of the people who kept raising their hands to do live streaming of Oscars online. And it happened later on. So it was an amazing journey. And I enjoyed it a lot, actually. What's interesting to me is that you move from a medium that is online content-based, right? People that are writing news articles or classifieds. I understand why it, their SEO optimization and organic social optimization is very important to those businesses. You basically went to work for a TV station where the primary format of content is video and it's not online. Obviously, there's a shift to the TV moving online why was SEO important to ABC and specifically something like the Oscars? Why do they need SEO? So for ABC News itself, it was not just what's happening on TV. They had a whole digital arm writing news. They had reporters following the news and so on. So their content needed optimization, right? Then the video was the layer on top of it to support the digital written content. Back then, videos, YouTube was exploding. No one was able to get much videos and the SERPs and so on. And one of the things that we helped to fix is how we can get video views where you make most of the CPM through the SEO. So if you can drive traffic to content back then written, and then you have the right video supporting that content, you can get your views high up. So we were able through the content arm to increase the on-site views of videos. In addition to YouTube, we did a lot of optimization there and that helped the company a lot. Right, essentially what you're doing is you're taking a longer format of broadcast, bringing in the individual stories, and now you're creating unique pages for each one of those stories. And so instead of just having a page about a story, you're adding the video, which has a higher CPM, so you're able to monetize your website in a different format. Absolutely. Okay. Eventually, you head back to the mothership. You end up back at Condé Nast, not for the parent company. Tell me about why you made that transition back to the company you had worked for before, or at least an offshoot of that company. It was a great time working for Advance, and I always wanted to work in more like national slash international media. So working for hardcore news on ABC News can impact you in a way. Most of the news are extremely negative. It's shootings day after day, airplane crashes, disasters here and there. This is most of the news that make the traffic. Nobody other than us reports that John Shahada got up and went to work today and he's good at his job. It's not as compelling of a story. It's not. For most people. Well, I think it's exciting. <laughs> if it bleeds, it's kind of a thing, right? <laughs> right. So after a while, it was upsetting. You are surrounded with a lot of negative news. While I enjoy it so much, I felt like there is a step forward where I can focus on less hardcore news and more evergreen content. So when Condé Nast approached me and said, hey, are you interested in this role? I love the company. I love the brands. I love the content. I think it's quality premium content. And I said, absolutely. So now it's lighter news and a lot of evergreen which I love, to be honest with you. So it's a good mix between news and evergreen, a healthy mix. The funny thing for me, it sounds like one of the primary drivers for you wanting to leave the role at ABC News 
was around the type of content you were helping to distribute. To me, the challenging thing as an SEO focusing on news would be the life cycle of the content. You're talking about now working on evergreen content. And to me, a news story lasts for 24 to 48 hours. As an SEO, you're constantly going to be hustling from today's articles to tomorrow's articles to the next day, as opposed to building out strategies for pieces of content that are going to become more valuable over time. I assumed that that would actually be the biggest factor for you moving, not necessarily, I got tired of promoting a plane crashed in some part of the world and here's the devastation that it caused. Do you remember in the beginning when I said news is a different beast? Mm -hmm. News in a way, very close to PPC, the sugar eating as you describe it, because you see instant gratification. Mm -hmm. You publish news article, you optimize it well, you see the traffic immediately. While the cycle for that traffic, it lasts anywhere from like one to three days, but you see impact immediately. Also, the volume of content that you produce is very high. You're not producing a couple of articles a week or something. You're really producing hundreds of articles a day or through a week. So there is a lot of content. There is a lot of challenge. Now, also, you have different verticals within the news or the site that are evergreen, like health, for example the different symptoms, how you have a better healthy body, all that stuff. So there is a little bit of evergreen that you can work on, but the majority, 90% of the content was this. I enjoyed it personally. Okay. So now that you moved on to Condé Nast, your role has changed. You have a much broader role. You're the vice president of audience development. Tell me what that means. I think I have been there for almost like three and a half years now. The role started with SEO. Again, another enterprise company that knew SEO was important. They had an agency that supported them, a great agency, but they felt that they had to bring it in-house. There is the disconnection and the gap between the agency and the technology teams and the editorial teams and so on, where was it very great for one project? It wasn't great for ongoing optimization. It needed to be a core competence of the company because you're running a content business. You should probably own the SEO strategies in-house and have the connection between engineering, the content creation team, and the SEO operators. Absolutely. So I started there again, one-man shop. Now I think we're six or seven on the SEO team. And for the first two years, I established the team. We have seen growth year over year like 35 to 45%. So it was amazing. And I went to the company and I said, I can help with more. The whole idea of a centralized team or a center of excellence is you working with dedicated audience development teams on each of the brands. An odd dev is a person who has knowledge of different aspects of marketing, distribution strategies. They know a little bit about SEO, they know a little bit about social, they know a little bit about PPC, they know a little bit about Google News. So with that knowledge, they have a holistic view of where the brand and the strategy need to go. But then, so this is individual brands, then you need a center of excellence that can help the dedicated or embedded odd devs to get the best advice and the best strategy on a very specific function or channel. So if I understand correctly, 
you are essentially creating an umbrella audience development team that builds infrastructure for each brands, right? You have some projects that work across all of the media properties. And then you also have individual brand managers who are essentially general marketing managers that are putting together your marketing strategies. So you have a little bit of a hybrid team where some people are vertically focused and some people are broadly focused, horizontally focused. Yes. So the centralized teams are broadly focused on best strategies, for example, for content. They are the ones who work with the engineering teams on all kinds of products the technical aspects of the products and the best optimization, right? The social team are the one that supports all the social teams within the brands. I'm a big believer that the social teams have to be a brand specific. They should know the voice. They should know the tone. They are the ones who develop that personality on social platforms, right? But then you have an advanced team that can figure out what's the algorithm, where the social platforms are heading, what are the best ways to optimize, advanced knowledge of data and digging and exploring. It's a hybrid approach between having all centralized teams or all like grand teams because I don't think either or is a good fit for like an enterprise solution with multiple entities. So you have a mix between centers of excellence that are centralized, and then you have embedded audience dev on each of the brands. Essentially, it makes sense for somebody to own the individual tone of a brand, right? The person that is the GQ marketing manager needs to understand what is relevant for his audience and how he should be speaking to the men that are interested in fashion, personal, you know, whatever the promise of GQ is. On the flip side, there are some technical tweaks that you're going to need to apply across every brand. And so you're really creating that, like we said, hybrid structure. I guess one of the last questions I have for you, as you moved from an individual contributor to an agency to somebody that has built multiple SEO-focused teams, and now you're working at a larger scale, really running marketing organizations for brands and then a centralized center of excellence, how has your role shifted and how have the experiences that you had leading up to this job helped shape your management strategy? I think when I recently got promoted from being just a VP of SEO to a VP of audience development, overseeing SEO, social, email, and organic partnerships, things had to change in so many different ways. While I was an SEO, I was in the trenches with my team. I knew day-to-day -day what's going on. I'm very focused. I know what's going on. I'm sitting with my team and their pod. There's these kind of relationships within the team that you go out together, you hang out. There is a stronger connection. Once you start leading multiple teams, you have to step back a little bit. It does no one a good service if you are into the day-to-day -day kind of operations. You need to focus on the larger strategy, the larger approach for all the different teams. So you step back. Also, you can't meet with everyone. That's one thing I miss for sure, right? So if you manage three or four people in a team, it's different when you manage like 20, 25 people in all the teams, right? So you only meet with your direct reports. You try to make time for everyone else. You have an open door policy. You join a few weekly meetings here and there with the bigger teams. You have your monthly all-hands meeting and so on. But you don't have that 
connection that you had when you were in a small team. You also need to learn a lot on all the different channels that you are working on. While I had SEO for, I don't know, 17 years, so for like 10 years knowledge, email was a little bit new to me. Right now is like a couple of years. So it takes you a little bit of time while you have similar principles of optimization, funnels, audience engagement, and so on. These kind of principles apply to different marketing channels, but the tactics and the strategies are completely different. So you have to learn, you have to be good at it. You have to gain experience and knowledge from your team and so on. So I'm enjoying it for sure, but I think there's a lot to learn still. That's interesting to hear that as you've moved from being an operational manager focused on one or two channels to really an executive running a marketing department, that your focus has been on learning the new channels and really paring down how many people you're managing just to your direct reports. I guess the last question I have is, as you look back on your career going from an operational manager or selling phone cards to pay for college to being a, as I described you, media mogul, what advice do you have for younger marketers who are interested in learning about content development and following a similar career path? I would say the best quality to have is be eager to learn as much as you can. I mean, sometimes, especially when you are a specialist or a manager, you are consumed by your daily tasks. You are all in the trenches. You are trying to get your job done. And sometimes we forget that our industry, SEO industry, it changes all the time from competitors to search engines, to the knowledge, to the technology. And without having that proper knowledge, I don't think you can excel in your job and you're going to continue doing the same job that you're doing day over day. Having that quality, I think it's the best. I think also looking into being a well-rounded marketer, you can absolutely focus on one function, but you should know enough knowledge about the other functions in the marketing sphere and how they can benefit you, new tactics, new strategies, and so on. I think these are the two main qualities that you should have to advance your career. I think the best marketing departments and the best marketers have a well-rounded knowledge of some of the functions and disciplines that are surrounding them that are not their core responsibilities. So that's one of the biggest things I've learned from putting this podcast together is that the people that are the most successful have an awareness and understanding of all of the different operations in the organization and staying hungry and learning as much as you can about what affects your cross-functional partners, what affects the other people and the other disciplines in marketing is just going to help you in the long run. So, John, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for sharing your career experience and telling us a little bit about how you went from, like I said, selling phone cards to pay for college to working at Condé Nast and managing the audience development team. Thank you so much, Ben. So glad to be with you guys. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to John Shahada for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about John, you can click the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at jshahada, that's J-S-H-E-H-A-T-A, or you could visit his company's website, which is condenas.com, that's C-O-N-D-E-N-A-S-T.com.
If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn, Twitter, pretty much every social media platform. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a weekly stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we've got some great episodes lined up for you. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.